Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You know, with the hope that's in us, we got to talk to them about it. That's that's how you're going to be in a, a, a fragrance, an aroma, a witness for the Lord. Now, some people are going to appreciate that and some people are not, right? You go share in Christ, someone's going to love you for it. And someone else is going to be so annoying. Someone's going to be like, thank you. Someone else is going to be like, go away. You know, it's, it's both things will happen. And are you okay with that? Because some Christians are not. Some Christians are so concerned with having everybody like them that they end up not being a good representative for the Lord. Don't worry about everybody liking you. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Bill, he shares with you the important lesson of just sharing the gospel. When you do, you'll have some people that act grateful and others that won't. Don't get too upset if they don't receive it well. Your job is simply to share and to be an ambassador for Christ. Pastor Bill encourages you to make sure you're giving off a pleasant fragrance for the Lord and to just keep on sharing the good news with others about Christ. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I titled the message today, What Fragrance Are You Wearing? So, how many guys here wear colognes or perfumes? Some of y'all, all right. All right, all right. I won't won't go much further than that. Um, Some people do, some people don't. Um, Some people, you know, almost have an aroma to them. Anybody know people that, like, they kind of have their own smell, like that's their smell? That's not a negative. It could be like, you know, my my mom, my whole life, my mom wore one cologne or a perfume. It was a Giorgio. And even to this day, whenever I smell that, that's her smell. I don't care who's wearing it. I don't care where it's at. That, that's my mom's smell for my whole life. That's what she wore. So we're going to learn in this chapter as we, as we come to the end of it, Paul is going to teach them that we are, we're to carry as believers, we're to have an aroma about us, that we're to be the aroma of Christ to other people. And we'll explain what that looks like, what that means. So if you guys are looking now at verse 12 and we pick up right here, it says, furthermore, when I came to Troas, to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. So I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus, my brother, but taking my leave, I departed to Macedonia for Macedonia. So Paul had planned, Paul had planned a trip back. Again, we talked about that earlier. He had planned a trip back to Corinth that he didn't make, and he explained why earlier. But here he says, Look, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel, he says, a door was opened. To me, by God, God opened the door for his life. God, God gave Paul some open door, some opportunity. But Paul says, but I, I didn't have any rest in my spirit because Titus hadn't made it back. And let me just explain back then, you know, this is where Paul's heart was. Paul was so concerned with how the church in Corinth was doing that he was like, man, I, I'm waiting for Titus to come back and bring me news. It wasn't like today. Today, if I wanted to find out how my uh, church is doing something, I'd call I send a text message, I shoot an email, and I get a response. Back then, you know, Paul wanted to find out what was happening in Corinth. He had to send a human being. Hey, dude, Titus, get on your donkey and roll out, you know, over to the Corinth. Go see how they're doing with the stuff I said. Then you got to make your way back to me and bring me back word. It was a process. And so when Paul got to here and God opened up this new door, but he's like, ah, I can't go because I'm I, I'm waiting for it. I want to know. I, I, I don't have rest in my spirit. I I want to know how they're doing. And I, I want you to just capture this. Like, I want you to see one, Paul's deep concern for the well-being of this church. 
Like he loved them. Imagine for you guys here, how many of us love God to open doors for us, right? It says here, God opened the door. And Paul's like, ah, I, I mean, a door God opened up. We see it in scripture. And Paul's like, but I'm, 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 I'm just not at peace because I want to know how they're doing. I care so much about how they're doing. This is one thing that, that I, I saw, right? Many of us are connected to people that are serving the Lord. Maybe you yourself are serving the Lord. You don't want to serve as a distraction to a person that's trying to serve God. You know, I've known people, husbands, wives, you know, people in, that God has called, God has equipped, God has given open doors. And though there's this open door of opportunity, you're like, I really can't focus on that like I want to because I got this situation in my marriage I got to focus on. I really want to do that for the Lord, but I, I got the situation with my kids that is kind of taking up all my focus and my attention. I got I to gotta deal with this. Um, all I'm saying is that we want to make, as believers, right, I don't ever want to be the reason why somebody can't do, can't walk through an open door. God may open some door for my wife. I bet not be the reason why she can't go through the open door. Amen. And we just want to make sure I, 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 I can't, you know, I, I can only do my, I can only be me, you know. So we want to make sure that as believers, I don't want to hinder anybody else from what they're doing. As I see here, Paul was just disturbed. But I also want you to catch how much he cared about this Corinthian church. And this is the second letter he wrote. And for you guys that went through 1 Corinthians with this, this is a jacked up church in terms of all the, I mean, when I look at the, all the many things that Paul had to correct them on, sexual sin, taking one another to court, getting drunk at communion, take, you know, just, they had so misusing the spiritual gifts, not walking in love. I mean, it was like not believing the right thing about the resurrection. He had so many things to correct them on. And it always reminds me of this, right? How messed up, if you're a really, really, you know, if you could say this, I want to, you know, call somebody a messed up Christian. But if you're a Christian and you're just really messed up, what's God's heart towards you? He gives extra. I mean, I'm looking at this letter. And I'm like, to the churches that were doing pretty good, the letters were kind of short, right? Ephesus, they were jamming. Ephesians in the letter was kind of short. Five chapters. It was real, you know, a lot of instruction, a lot of doctrine, right? I'm looking at this is the most jacked up church. Two, two complete letters. All the first Corinthians, all the second Corinthians. It reminds me of this, right? Sometimes those that are struggling and they're God, God will give them, they need some extra attention. They need the they need some focus. Paul's putting a lot of attention on them. Why? Because they're worth it. Because God believes that they can be turned around. Paul believes that this this thing can be made right. Maybe God's got some people in your life that are like the Corinthians. You know, they they believe in God, but this you're looking at their life like, man, this this is really jacked up. Sometimes what we do is just kind of turn those people off. You know, we look at them and we're like, man, I, they, you know, they, you know, you ain't, you ain't, you ain't thrilled about this, you know, but maybe those are people that we need to really give some attention to and put some time in, see if God wouldn't use you to encourage them and, and direct them, give them instruction. And uh, I've been careful about this too, that we don't want to be giving people corrections without giving them instruction what to do. If I'm going to tell you what you're doing wrong. I need to tell you how to get it right. And so... They had a lot of things wrong, but Paul always showed them what to do to get it right. And that's what, if you're going to correct someone, that's how you want to do it. So um, so moving on now, that was verse 12 and 13. He said, I had no rest in my spirit because I didn't find Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I departed from Macedonia. Now verse 14. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And I'm going to stop right there. Paul says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. If, if God is leading you, God is leading me. If God's leading our life, he says he always leads us in triumph. What does that look like, though? Right. Because later on in this letter, Paul says, I was shipwrecked. I was naked. I was hungry. 
I've, I've been abased. I've abounded. I've had a lot. I've had nothing. I've been hungry. I've been in perils. I've been locked up in prison. I've been beaten. I was stoned in one area. So what does it look like to triumph in Christ? And he said, look, as I'm led by God, I triumph in Christ and all things are always, God always leads me in triumph. So what does it look like to triumph in Christ? And this is what I think is important. Some people think that if they come to Christ, everything is going to be great. And some people preach that gospel. Just come to Christ. God's going to fix everything. If you come to Christ, if you're fat, you'll be skinny. If you're single, you'll get married. You know, if you're, if you're broke, you get money. You know, you, you know, whatever you want. Some people, they throw the line out like Christ is just going to give you everything. Y'all know that's not true? Do we know that's not true here? Say amen. All right, it's not true, right? Um, if you come to Christ, what do you get? Get your sins forgiven. Get, get go to heaven, not hell. You get delivered from hell. You get to be in relationship with the living God. You get access 24-7 to God. You can pray. He'll speak to you through his word. You get the Holy Spirit living inside you. You get the, the again, the guarantee, the hope of everlasting. That's what you get, right? You might still go through some stuff, right? If you get saved, is there any guarantee you can get all the jobs you want? You might get saved and get fired the next week. You know, like, you know, that's, that's, that's true. You might get saved and, you know, and your, and your girlfriend leave you the next day. I just gave my life to the Lord. And she was like, ah, I'm not with that. You know, there's no guarantee on all these other things. We go through stuff as believers. The Bible actually promises. Second Timothy 3.12, one of those unprecious promises. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You don't really find that in the little precious promise books, but it's a promise. If, you, if you're going to live right for God, you're going to go through some stuff. There are going to be some people that don't appreciate it, that don't like it, and give you a hard time about it. And so, but Paul says, look, now thanks be to God who always, that means without fail, always leads, that means I'm following him, always leads us in triumph. And the key phrase is in Christ. In Christ, I'm always triumphing. Even when I'm losing, I'm winning in Christ. Paul, when he was getting beaten and stoned, he was like, I'm winning. You guys remember when they have Paul and they threaten him? You know, they're going to put him in prison, do all these things to him. What did Paul say? For me to live is Christ and what? To die is what? Gain. One of my favorite phrases or verses from Paul is Romans 8.18. Paul said this, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So all the stuff I'm going through, but it doesn't even compare to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Not worried about it. Paul was living for another reality, right? He was living for eternity, not for right here and right now. And so Paul said, look, for me, I always triumph in Christ. Even when it looks like they got me, they didn't get me. Even as a believer, when, it's, when it looks like something bad happens, it didn't, it, for us, it's not really the truth, right? If something bad happens to me that looks bad to me right now, if I go out and, and my car gets crashed, oh, right? But the Bible says that all things are working together for the good of those who love God and called according to us. So I can go and look at my crashed car and be like, oh, man. Or I can look at it and be like, all right, God, you said all things are working together for the, this is somehow, this is working together for the good. I don't know how. I kind of like my car, you know, but I trust that all things are working together for the good of those that love God are called to Christ. I got to believe that and walk it out. I'll wait to see how. And anybody walk with God long enough, you, you, you can look back at enough things, enough scenarios, enough negatives and look back and see how God was, how that was the Lord was doing that. I thought that was, I thought I lost out, but God was really doing this in my life. I thought that something bad was happening, but God was really dealing with me. I've had times in my life as a Christian where I was going through difficulty, difficulty with people, difficulty with, you know, just hardship that I was like, God, could you just make this stuff stop? And now this many years later, I look back at those same scenarios and I realize God was making me into what he wanted me to be. You know, when I first got walking with the Lord, I had a lot of flesh left. 
but I didn't know it, you know? Anybody ever thought you was holier than you really were? I, I was me, you know? There were times where I was like, nah, I'm, I'm really, I mean, I'm really, really saved. I mean, I mean, they kind of, I'm really saved. And then God would let somebody pull my car and, and, and the old me would come out and it was like, you really saved? You really, who was that guy? And, and, and I look back now and, and some of those things, God was like, I want, you to, I want you to know that you're still capable of that. I want you to know that's still in you so you can deal with it. Um, so that later on when it's no longer, I, I, I didn't know earlier when I was going to be a pastor, but there's going to come a day where you can't act like that no more. Uh, I can't act. There's some things I did earlier on that if I did today, I couldn't be here. Uh, I couldn't go upside somebody's head today, you know, and, and I've had moments, you know, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't get frustrated with somebody here and go upside your head. You know, y'all would be like, I'm not going back to that church. The pastor's socking folk, you know. <laughs> There are things that God wants to get rid of and remove from us. And so sometimes he uses difficulty in our lives. Um, sometimes as we're going through hardship and trial, God is, is one, sometimes God is letting us be a witness to other people. I've watched people graciously endure hardship. And for some people, it gives them hope. They're looking at what you're going through saying, how are you, how are you holding it together? How are you managing what you're dealing with? And it's, it's the hope of God in your heart. It's, you get to be a witness to somebody in your difficulty. And at the end of the day, for every believer, we do triumph in Christ. We ultimately go to be with him. But I just want to point that out. He says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Second part of the verse, he says, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. That word diffuses, it means to make manifest. God says, look, it's through you guys. Everybody here that would say, I'm a Christian, I'm born again. I've given my life to Christ. When God says here, it's through us that he diffuses, he makes manifest the fragrance of his knowledge. It's, it's, his fragrance is flowing through us, the fragrance of his knowledge everywhere. Something God wants to do through all of us is that we would be a, a, a witness to him. There'd be, later on, he'll call it the aroma of Christ, but there'd be, there'd be his aroma coming through us. Now, I talked to you earlier about people and their aromas and smells and whatnot, you know, and, you know, again, some people carry a certain aroma, you know, they come into the room, they, you know, they carry that aroma with them. You know, if you got kids that, you know, play sports and uh, they come in, there's an aroma that comes with them. And, you know, it's, it's, you clearly they're here, you know, whatever. So as believers, Paul says here, like, look, through us, God wants to diffuse or he wants to make manifest his fragrance, the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So one thing I would ask all of us to consider is what kind of a what kind of a witness do you leave behind as you enter a place, as, as you go to the family gathering, as you hang out with your friends, as you go spend time with people, what's left behind? What kind of fragrance is left behind when you leave? Do, do you leave a good witness for the Lord? Do you leave a bad witness? Is it uh now we'll see this too. Um, later on, he's going to talk about just the, the, the aroma. It's to those that are being saved, it's the aroma of life. But to those that are not being saved, it's the aroma of death, right? What I find a lot of times is people try to adjust to the different groups. Some people live a double life. Some people come to church today and they're, they, they're in this circle, it's like, how you doing? I'm blessed. Praise the Lord. Ah, you know, and then they go home and you know, maybe you get around some other people and you talk another way. And you ain't blessed no more. And you got some other language that you be speaking and everything else, right? Should it be that way? No. Especially in those other circles, right? They need me to be a, a witness, a light, that, that I would leave a witness for the Lord everywhere I go. Now, this is something that's important. I, want, I don't want to pass it over. When Paul told him that God, that, that, that God always leads us in triumph in Christ, 
Something he would have had in mind and something they would have understood is when the Romans would conquer an area, they would have a triumphant entry back into town. And when they did so, they had a, it was a procession. Uh, in the front of the procession, they would have the guys that did the warring, those that were victorious in battle. Your, your battle men would be up in the front. They would be carrying spoils, so stuff that you took from the people you just beat up. You're bringing that in, and people are looking. It's a celebratory thing. Look, our people are coming back. We won the scrap. They got the spoils. You brought people that you took captive. You brought them back as, as a symbol of your dominance over them. They would bring them captives. The Romans were cruel. They would march back in these captives and take them to the Colosseums, and they had all kind of fun ways to, to kill people um, that they would do, but they would bring these people in. But this, this was the one piece that I think Paul had in mind here. There were incense carriers on both sides of the procession, and they had these little things that they would swing, and it would it would it would be an incense that would go. So as a whole procession went at all corners of the procession, there were people swinging these balls of incense, and it was also a, it was an aroma that would flow through with them as they would come through. And everybody coming in, it for them it was a it was a triumphal procession back in. Um, when Paul says God leads us in triumph, and there's a there's a there's an aroma about it. It's a victory. There's a there's a victory to it. And so one thing that I think is important for believers, and so I think is a good witness. It's one of the ways that we kind of let off an aroma or witness for the Lord, our victories, right? Those of us that have people that knew us when we weren't saved and we get saved, they should begin to see victories, right? When you weren't saved, what were you, what were you wrapped up in, right? When I wasn't saved, I was fornicating. I was getting drunk every day. I was a weed. I sold weed. I did credit card scams. I'll steal your stuff if you left it out. If I didn't know you, I didn't steal from friends. Um, <laughs> even sinners had morals, you know? Um, but... That's, that's, you know, that's, that was who I was. Then I get saved and God delivers me from alcohol and takes care of some anger and attitude issues and, you know, makes me get a regular job and, you know, deals with my issue with women, gives me a wife and little by little, you know, there was, each one of these are huge victories in my life. Those are a witness. The, the guy that led me to Christ. His life was a witness. Before he got saved, that was one of my main guys. We ran around. We got drunk together. We had, you know, girls. And we would, you know, you call her, I'll hook up with her. We'd run with them and do this, that, and the other. And then he got saved. And he got saved in high school. So it was, that was a really hard time to get saved. Because it was, everything was popping, you know. He got saved 11, the last, in, the, in between 11th and 12th grade high school, he gets saved. He gets saved for real. I know a bunch of people that go to church. But when he got saved, it was like, hey, I'm not going to come kick it no more. I'm like... Oh, I, I thought I thought the, the one the girl is his wife now. She was his girlfriend. I'm like, dude, she got you whipped. I've never seen a case of whipping this bad at your age. It's terrible, you know. He wouldn't come hang out. He wouldn't come party. He wouldn't have a drink. He wouldn't do anything. And I mean, I, I watched him walk it out. He right after high school, like the month that they graduated high school, he went to the court and married her and got married. And they moved into his mom's house. They both got jobs until they had enough money. And guess where they moved when he got enough money to get an apartment? He moved in my apartment building where I was living, and I wasn't saved. But they moved in right upstairs, right upstairs from me, the apartment right above me. If they go like that, I can hear them. You know, they moved right up there, and that's who God was going to use. But I remember, because I had watched him, I remember tempting him. I didn't know I was tempting him. I was like, hey, man, just come. Everything's paid for. These people will be there. This will be there. This is available. And he was like, bro, I don't, I'm cool. I don't want none of that. And I'm like, what is wrong with him? Like, what, what kind of, what did she do to him? She broke him, you know? Later on, I would understand that the man was saved, but this is the thing. Because of his witness, 
when he did start coming to speak to me about the gospel, I couldn't blow him off. Everybody else that would come with the gospel, you know what I would do? I would point out their sin. I've had people share the gospel before. I'm like, you, you sleep with your boyfriend, right? That's when I'm doing the same thing. What you, what, are you talking to me? You know, you're talking to me about the gospel. I'm like, do you get drunk like I get drunk? Then, then why, you know, I, I, I would just blow them off. Like, bam, shut up. Boo, do you, how you gonna buy my weed and then tell me about God? Like, right? <laughs> Give me back my weed then, you know? Like, go back to church for another round. I'm, there are people that would come from church to the weed spot, buy weed, and then get high and start talking spiritual. I couldn't hear that. But him, right, he got saved, repented, changed. When he came, I felt like I at least had to, right? There was, there was, his, the aroma with him was like, there was, there was a fragrance of truth. There was a, he wasn't fake. So I at least had, I gave him the benefit of it. I gave him floor to speak. And that was a person that led me to the Lord. We need to all consider, right, what's kind of witness? Like, the people that will listen to you, do they look at you and say, like, man, that's a legit Christian right there. Like, they, they, they walk in, they're walking this. Or do they look at you and be like, man, you're really just like me, except for you get up Sunday morning and go to church. That's how I felt about most Christians that I knew before I got saved. It's like, only difference between me and you is you get up on Sunday, you get all dressed up, go to church. That's it. Don't, that's the only difference between me and you. And as far as how we live, our moral standard, or what our moral, we the same. Um, may that not be true about us, because it, it does impact your witness. Um, people don't hear you so well. And um, everybody here knows a person that get drunk and get spiritual, get real deep after a few 40s or whatever they drinking, you know, it's like that, that's not a real effective way to witness and, and reach out to people. So he says um, in verse 15 there, he says, for we are to God, the fragrance of Christ to, um, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And I want you to note the words is important. He says, we are to God. This is something we do for the Lord. Part of my worship of God, something I offer to God. God said, this is what you are to me. This is talking about us. If you're saved, this is you are to God. It's to him that we do this. The fragrance of Christ among those that are being saved and among those that are not. God says, you guys are my witnesses. You're, you're, you're the fragrance of me among those that are being saved and among those that are not. You're, you're, you're to be that fragrance. Here, here goes another thing, right? Can I be the fragrance of Christ if I don't share him? Right? Is this a silent thing, right? Perfume or, or cologne is something. Oh, thank you, bro. Bless you. I can't eat them while talking, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat them afterwards. I can't, I can't be a silent witness, right? Can I witness to you and never say a word? Can I? No. That quote from St. Francis of Assisi is a lie. It says, uh, he said, um, you know, they, I don't even know if he even said it. They maybe put that on him and he never said it. It says, um, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. It's a bogus phrase. Because preaching the gospel means speaking the gospel. You can't even preach the gospel with your mouth shut. So you ought to live right so that people will hear you when you do speak, that your, your lifestyle don't invalidate your message. But if you are speaking, my neighbors where I live are not going to look at my family and say, wow, I bet that family's a Christian. I, matter, I bet the reason why they, I think they're Christians. And because they're Christians, we're going to become Christians too. You know, it's not going to happen like that. They... They're not going to look at our lives and somehow end up going to heaven. Like, I got to go across the street and say, hey, neighbor, you know, we got to have a conversation. I got to I got to share with them, you know, with the hope that's in us. We got to talk to them about it. That's that's how you're going to be in a, a, a fragrance and aroma a witness for the Lord. Now, some people are going to appreciate that and some people are not. Right. You go share in Christ. Someone's going to love you for it. And someone else is going to be so annoyed. Someone's going to be like, thank you. Someone else is going to be like, go away. You know, it's, it's both things will happen. And 
Are you okay with that? Because some Christians are not. Some Christians are so concerned with having everybody like them that they end up not being a good representative for the Lord. That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. In this book, Paul details many different ways that he suffered for the sake of Christ. It can be painful to hear about these trials, but it's a reminder that following Jesus comes at a personal cost. What are some ways that you've chosen Jesus above other things? Do you think it's worth it? Paul knew it was well worth the pain and hardship that was brought on because he had a bigger picture in sight of eternity. Do you have the same outlook when you go through difficult trials? We hope you continue to learn more from this book written to the Corinthians. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you'll find them on our website, CalvaryEnglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. Do you live in the Inglewood area? Then come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at CalvaryEnglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. And you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is CalvaryEnglewood.org. As we come to the end of our time with you today, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as a part of our listening audience. Would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and possibly hearing about Jesus for the very first time? Please pray that their hearts will be open to the truth that changes lives. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us on The Transforming Word.